Welcome to Valley Heat. I'm Doug Duguay. This is a podcast about the neighborhood. My neighborhood, the Burbank Rancho Equestrian District, right here in Los Angeles County, brought to you by the Burbank Frisbee Golf Council and the upcoming Burbank Frisbee Golf Tournament. You know, the Frisbee Golf Tournament is coming up, and this is the biggest event in Burbank every year. If you haven't gone, you got to go. It's worth it just to see the team competitions. I mean, maybe you've seen Frisbee Golf competitions with single players playing against each other, but Burbank Frisbee Golf is different. And the thing that makes a difference is the team competitions. They have as many as four team members this year. So we have two zingers, three zingers, and then they've got what they're calling quads. What's amazing about the team competitions is even if you have four people on a team, there's still only one Frisbee. And what they're doing is all four of them are throwing that Frisbee. They're linking up with each other in various ways and using one another's momentum by hooking up together and swinging each other around so fast, and that Frisbee just comes zinging out so fast. There's this one move called the tornado where the person in the middle is, they call him the tree trunk. He is holding on to three other people. And you know how when you were a kid, your parents would grab grab you by the hands and kind of swing around in a circle? Only he's doing it with three guys that are attached to each other. Looks like he's swinging a rope made of people. You've got one person in the middle, the tree trunk, spinning three other people that are attached to each other. And the person who's on the very end of the people rope, they call that person the balloon because they're at the end. So the balloon person has that Frisbee clutched in their feet. And eventually they get spinning so fast. And then the balloon person opens their feet and that Frisbee just shoots across that course. I've seen some accidents. I've seen One year I saw, well, most of the accidents happened with that balloon person on the end. I remember this was back about 10 years ago. It was Diane Cross, I remember, and she was the balloon, and she was holding on to Greg Winthrop's shoes, and his shoes came off, both of them. And I remember they were Zinger's shoes, and it was a PR nightmare for Zinger's. And she went flying so fast. I mean, it was like someone threw a boomerang, but it was a person just spinning through the air over the golf course like a helicopter blade went right through one of those really, you know, those 100-foot-tall golf nets, right through that onto the freeway. And she was fine. I mean, these Frisbee golfers are tough, but she broke her hand and landed on someone's windshield, really caused a pileup. No one got injured, and that's why they built that Frisbee golf wall on the Tom Clutch course just off the 134, and they named it Diane Cross Wall. And that's why you see a big mural of Diane's face when you're driving down the 134. I mean, Diane's fine, but Zinger's shoes wanted to pay for that wall They were sponsoring Greg at the time when his shoes came off and Diane went flying. So they built that wall as an apology to Diane and honestly, just to save face because no one was going to be wearing Zinger's shoes after that happened. And just one more thing about the Frisbee golf competition. If you're going to compete this year, you're going to have to show the judges that you can do uh, seven consecutive backflips in a row without passing out or throwing up. If you can't do that, then you can't enter the competition. There's just too many people trying to get in this year. And if you want more information on competing this year, you can go to BurbankFrisbeeGolfCouncil.org. Burbank Frisbee Golf Tournament coming up. Check it out. And that's Cephalopods are people with Zingin' in the City. You can get all their music on the Valley Heat Patreon page, as well as the exclusive Valley Heat show, Good Morning Burbank, which comes out more often than the regular show, which can take a while to make. And plus you get other stuff. 
that you get when you pay $3 for a thing. But it helps support the show, and if you want to do it, check it out. But if you don't want to support the show, then you should check it out anyway. I mean, maybe you can figure out a way to openly not support the show on the page. I should make a tier that where I have to give you $3 just for going there. You probably deserve $3 for just listening to this promo. Okay, let's start this episode of Valley Heat. These are the chronicles of the Rancho Western District in Burbank, California. These are the events taking place in my house and around my house, around just the streets in this area. It's part of my life, it's about their life too, it's not just mine. It's centered mostly around me because I host it, but it's about everyone in the neighborhood. And it's, I mean, it's a pretty good show, I think. I mean, I'm not the best person to judge. My father-in-law doesn't like it, but he didn't buy a spot. Why would you buy a spot if you don't like the show? I mean, he obviously just wants to get under my skin, so I mean, that's fine. I can talk about this later. Okay, so the first thing I want to talk about, okay, well, let's just... Let's address that. That sound, that's a peacock that Pete and Candace have brought to the house. It's, this is Cody's other bird, other than his parrot, Green Banana. Candace takes him over to the hospital to visit Cody while he's there. Cody's still under observation at the hospital. But the most pressing thing, and the most important thing I want to talk about is Tony, obviously. My neighbor, Gary J. Anthony's son, was accused of putting drugs in my garbage can by John McDonald at the foosball tournament. You might not be too familiar with Tony. He's had a lot of problems in this neighborhood from the day he was born. I mean... You know how there are some kids that just can't get their stuff together? I mean, kids are kids, and you can't blame them for being kids, but sometimes you can, and you do. I mean, Tony's a kid that even when he was seven or eight years old, you looked at him and you felt like he was going to beat you up. Some kids just have that look in their eyes. It's like an adult look, and I really feel like it's because Tony has those what I call topaz eyes. You ever meet someone who has those extra blue sky eyes that are like the color of wintergreen icebreaker mints or something? And I'm not talking about blue eyes. I'm talking about like the color of a frozen ocean eyes. And it's not the person's fault that they were born with the color of heaven in their eye sockets. Like my neighbor's kid is named Piper. And Piper also has those eyes. She's only like seven years old. You know, when parents go, this is my kid. And you turn to meet them. And it's like the wisdom of the ages is boring a hole through your head. But she just wants juice. She's just a little kid looking for a Capri Sun or apple juice. And I feel like it ends up informing who you become as a person because you're just used to people looking at you kind of scared. So he's had these scary eyes his whole life, and it kind of made him different than everybody else. I mean, these stories have followed him around for so long. He just can't keep out of trouble. When he was in high school, he he used to climb palm trees. And at one point, he climbed like a 60, 70-foot palm tree and got stuck up there. It was a pretty big neighborhood ordeal. People were coming out of their houses looking at Tony in the tree, and he wasn't admitting he was up there. Finally, the fire department came, and he realized it was real and said, yeah, I got to get out of here. I got to get down. This is nine hours into being in a palm tree. I mean, I don't even know how you wouldn't fall out just from exhaustion. And that whole experience really followed him around for a long time. And, I mean, it kind of ruined his whole high school experience, really. So this whole thing about getting called out in front of Everyone in Burbank has really, really had an effect on Tony, and I'm worried about him. And obviously, so are his parents, Gary and Val. And they somewhat rightfully blamed me for the way it went down. So I went over there to talk to them and apologize, and I recorded it. And anyway, here's what happened. Hey, 
How are you going to fix this? Gary, look, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for anything that happened at the My tournament. son is not dealing drugs with your garbage can. I know, and I'm sorry. I'm just you sorry. You should be very sorry. Okay, well, that's what I'm saying. I am sorry. We don't know where he is. What do you mean you don't know where he is? You don't... He's out on the 134 driving around. He's on the 134. That's what he does when he's upset. Unbelievable. Val, listen, I'm sorry. My son is lost on the 134. What do you mean he's lost on the 134? Driving around aimlessly. I gotta get lost on a freeway. All it is is signs that tell you where to go. Val, can you come back and talk? It's just sad that we've gotten to this point. I just wanted to put that there for you. Okay, Gary, I mean, I'll take that remark. After everything that um, Tony has done for your son, Phil. What do you mean everything he's ever done for Phil? Uh, What what are you saying? He's been a mentor to him. He's been a mentor to him? Honestly, Phil has always really looked up to him. Gary, they hardly know each other. They're like eight years apart. How's he been a mentor? Is there an age restriction on mentors, Doug? Because I don't know. No, but I mean, I think a mentor has to be someone you know, at least vaguely. He was always there for your son. Val, where are you getting this? Val, can you come back? I remember I gave... Tony, a pair of walkie-talkies for Christmas, and he gave one to Phil so they Gary. could they could talk. Almost none of those details are correct. Christmas 2011, I bought Tony a pair of okay. Captain Kirk Gary. walkie-talkies. No, and, I bought uh, Phil a pair of Star okay, Trek I'm walkie-talkies, and Tony broke both of them because Phil kept pushing that squelch button Don't run, on the walkie-talkie, you know that squealer button? And he got mad. And Unbelievable. He broke it. Those were expensive walkie talkies. Yeah, they were expensive. I bought them. I found those on eBay. Those you were found them on eBay store. also? The same pair of 1970s vintage Star Trek walkie talkies? Don't come back here ever again. Well, come on. Don't say that. Go find my son. On the freeway? You want me to find him on the freeway? I couldn't do that if I had a tracking device. It's one on. of the smaller freeways. It's still a freeway. Well, I just hope that my son's okay and that you're happy. Gary. Okay, so you heard that. You want me to go find him on the freeway? And I'm not saying I really care about the walkie-talkies at this point, but do they really think that they bought those walkie-talkies? I mean, it's a long time ago. I don't care about the walkie-talkies at this point, but I'm going to upload a photo of these on the Patreon page from eBay. These are expensive. They were hard to find. They're from 1974. They're the same ones I had when I was a kid. And I got them for Phil. He was so little at the time. He kept pushing that little squelch button that's on some walkie-talkies that squeal all the signals in the area so every kid with a walkie-talkie was getting a signal scrambled and then at like three in the morning on new year's eve i wake up there's someone in a ski mask in my living room and i mean dressed like a burglar from a 80s sitcom breaking my son's christmas toys it's tony i mean i didn't know it was tony immediately but i shine my flashlight at him he turned to me and, and you can't those ice eyes are unmistakable he saw me and he ran for the window he tried to jump through a closed window bounced right off of it i mean it looked like a scene out of home alone like buster keaton style slapstick bounced off the window landed in the christmas tree i just opened the front door and tony just walked out in shame later i talked to gary and gary said well tony's gonna come over and he's gonna make it up to him he's gonna buy him a new set of walkie-talkies and really no surprise never heard about it again until recently when Gary told me that Tony was a mentor to Phil. I mean, I don't even know if Phil remembers who Tony is. But the truth is I was worried about him after I talked to Gary and Val, and I wanted to give Tony a call and just see if I could get him to come home. I'd not go try to find him on the freeway, but just see if I could talk to him, talk him down a little, and see if he'd come back. So I did that, and I recorded it, and I'll play that phone call for you right after this. Today's show is sponsored in part by, okay, Okay, this is Chuck Baker Empire, Ed. This is my father-in-law. 
So it's brought to you today by Chuck Baker Empire Auto. It's not just a business, it's an empire. Chuck Baker was born, okay, what is this, a resume? There's a whole bio here. These are 15, 20-second spots, tops. He's got two pages of stuff to read here. The first page is just stuff that happened to him in his life. He's a hang glider. I don't even know if that's true. He's a hang glider. Chuck Baker, hang glider adventurer, spiritual visionary. I mean, there's no time to read all this. He's into yoga now. He's acting all spiritual because my wife's yoga instructor, Donovan, has been hanging out at his house. And so Chuck's trying to act like he's embracing yoga just to get on my nerves. He sent this copy to me last second, just under the wire. Okay, this is, wait, this is him calling. Hey, Chuck, how are you? Did you get the copy? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm looking at it. This is way too much material. I can't say, you want me to say all this stuff? I left in non-hot copy. It's all hot copy. Yeah, 20 seconds How much this. would it be to read all of it? Is it because of your lack of verbal skill? No, I'm just saying no one's going to listen to a 10 or 11 minute spot that's just a list of your credentials. You would know about a show that no one's going to listen to. Okay, I mean, I have listeners, Chuck. What are your numbers right now? I'm not going to talk numbers. You have seen the numbers. You bought a spot. I don't have to talk Said about it. Like a non-business man. I get it. Okay, you're, you're more of a Picasso, less of a Warren Buffett. Can you tell me why it says you're a hang glider here? I hang glide. Any more questions? Chuck, you took one trip to La Jolla years ago and paid for a hang gliding session. What did you just do? You just confirmed that I hang glide. No, I confirmed that you were attached to a man who was hang gliding. about marketing at all? you got to spruce it up a bit. In business, you spruce. Chuck, with the spiritual stuff, I mean, I know what you're doing. You know my recent quest Quest? to uh, find fulfillment in the spiritual realm. Uh Donovan was saying you were denying my spiritual I was waiting for him to come up. if you try and find yourself, there are going to be a lot of haters. So I take it Donovan's still hanging out up there. He is living in the guest house. What? Which has more square footage than your actual house. He's living up there while Faye is up there. You know where I am, Doug? I'm present. You know where you are? Where? You're worrying about perfect copy. Well, not perfect copy, just something that makes sense. Do the job. Namaste. All right. Okay, well, you heard that, and you know what? I'm not reading the copy because I read enough of the copy. Here's the jingle. Chuck Baker, Empire Auto. All right. Okay. Okay, It's Donovan music. Okay, well, you paid for the ad time, so, so we can listen to your meditation music. for a muffler shop. Okay. Okay, what's this band charging by the instrument? It's Chuck Baker Empire for auto mods and enlightened mufflers. All right, so I said I gave Tony a call because Gary and Val were worried about him, and I was really worried about him, too. He was just out driving around the 134 upset after the tournament, and anyway, here's what happened. Tony, hey, it's Doug. How you doing? This is where I am now. This is who I am now. I mean, what am I going to do? Everybody thinks I'm a drug dealer. I can't go anywhere. It's a misunderstanding. You're going to bounce back. I spent my whole life bouncing back. Well, you should know your parents are very worried. You started this whole thing. I mean, I, to be honest, I mean, I, didn't, I don't know that I started it. You didn't start it? Why didn't you just turn John's mic off? I mean, I'll take that remark. I, I don't know. It honestly, it didn't even occur to me. It felt like my life was just starting to get better. Tony, can I actually ask you a question? Do you remember the Star Trek walkie-talkies that Phil had? What? The what Star Trek Christmas 2011. I bought Phil some Star Trek walkie-talkies, and you broke them. You remember breaking them? I can't them? believe you're bringing this up. I'm sorry. I just want to know. Do you remember the walkie-talkies? What does that have to do with anything? 
I, I'm not saying it has to do with anything currently. I'm just, I was talking to your dad, and he said that the walkie-talkies were yours. They were my walkie-talkies. No, they belonged to Phil. I bought them for Phil. No, those were mine. How could you possibly think that those belong to you? I cannot believe I'm having to have this conversation. Well, I'm sorry, Tony. I just, I'm trying to make something clear to your dad. And I shared them with Phil. Tony, you broke into my house. Yeah, okay, fine. Okay, you admit it. You broke into my house. Yeah, but I was doing that to steal a bottle of Bacardi. Well, you're stealing Bacardi? I don't even drink Bacardi. Is this supposed to be helping I, me? I'm sorry that I even brought it up. Right, man, I'm trying to get my life back. I know that, Tony. I'm sorry. We won't talk about it anymore. I just, for the record, what I'm saying is those were Phil's. I bought those for Phil. Then your mom says that she bought them. Star Wars. They didn't have walkie-talkies in Star Wars. Go on your computer right now and you Google Star Wars walkie-talkies and you see what comes up. Okay, I'll look. I'm gonna look at it. I gotta up. go, man. I'm gonna pull in here. Hello. All right. So you heard that, and he got cut off, which was obviously pretty worrying because no one knew where he was, and everyone's worried about him. And obviously, I probably shouldn't have brought up the. Christmas gift thing, but it's a really a matter of principle. I don't understand. A guy's going to break into your house and break your kid's Christmas toys, and then 12 years later, you're going to tell me that those were your toys? So I wasn't sure what to do. No one knows what Tony's going to do when he's upset. But, I mean, he was out there, and I was worried about him. I didn't know what happened to him, so I decided I really should go out there and try to find him on the 134. He was talking about maybe climbing trees, which would be a complete relapse for him. And if he starts climbing trees on the side of the freeway, so I was worried, and I wanted to go out and look for him, and I did. And I recorded that, and I'll play that for you right after this. For 50 years now, the Burbank Foosball Festival has been a time for Burbank to celebrate its foosball heritage. But this year's tournament was an unfortunate exception, because for all the work that Gary Janthony and the Janthony family have done for the Burbank community, his family has been maligned mercilessly. No one has opened more businesses served more customers, or given to more charitable causes other than Dean Fernari. Because I also have a promo deal with him, I can't technically say that Gary gives the most because the truth is Dean does give the most. So sorry about that, Gary. And despite all that Gary gives, his son, Tony, was still accused of dealing drugs with a garbage can. And to make things worse, it happened in front of 25,000 people at the Burbank Sports Arena. No thanks to the MC Doug Duguay. Okay, you want me to read my own name? Okay. Tony Janthony has finally been maligned enough. He's turning over a new leaf. He's not getting into trouble anymore. He's not climbing trees or doing any of this stuff like that dynamite stuff from a while back or the setting all that candy on fire on Halloween. Also, real quick, I just also have to mention that Paul Robinson and Jan Robinson have given more than Gary has to charity. Okay. If you're like many members of the Burbank community, then you'll buy an I Support Tony Janthony t-shirt for $47 at GaryJanthony.biz. They're for a good cause, because all the proceeds will go to Tony to help him get his life together. Your neighbor's name is Gary Janthony. His son's name is Tony Janthony. And Gary Janthony's son is a good man. Lord, rain the sunshine down upon me. Lord, rain the sunshine down on me. Rain it down upon me now. Down on me. Rain that sunshine down upon me. Do it for Gary. My son's a good man. Do it for Tony. My son's a good man. Do it for the entire Janthony family. Okay, man. how many times are we gonna sing this? My son's a good man. Okay, he's a good man. Alright, so I said I was gonna go out and look for Tony on the 134, and I did. 
and a lot happened out there. And Randy had an idea that he should put some music to this, a little soundtrack music. So here's what happened on the 134 with some music from Cephalopods or People. All right, so I've been driving up and down the 134 for about 30 minutes now. I haven't seen any signs of Tony. Should be easy to spot him because he's got a Janthony's car wash sign on his roof right now, so I should be able to spot him. All right, I've been driving on the 134 for about 30 minutes now, and I saw Tony going the other direction, and I'm trying to turn around at this on-ramp, off-ramp, I guess. It wouldn't be an on-ramp. All right, so I hit a stoplight here, so I'm not going to be able to catch up to Tony. All right, I'm back on the freeway and I lost him again. Oh, hold on a second. Nope, that's not him. They just gotta grab something to eat real quick. Yeah, can I get the, does the double burger, does that the mustard stuff? I don't want the mustard stuff on it, okay. All right, so I'm pulling back onto the freeway here. Hold on. Okay, this is. I'm looking at the order, it says the double No, I understand your system says that it doesn't have it, but this burger has the mustard. It says here that it didn't have mustard. I mean, is there someone I could talk to, or? Okay, coming out. Okay. Hey, how you doing? I don't understand why you have to come out here. I just, I'm I've trying never to been here before. Okay. So what do you want? I ordered the, this without the mustard stuff on it. Do me a favor, could you open it up and somebody verify You want it. me to open up the burger? Yeah. Okay. It doesn't have any mustard. What is, what is that? That's Burbank sauce. Okay, well, whatever it is, it tastes like mustard. You said no mustard, and there's no mustard. Well, I, okay, just for the record, what I said was no mustard stuff, yeah, and what listen, I meant I is get, whatever my this guys stuff is, it tastes like mustard. I see a lot of people every hour. I can't believe they listen to a lot of I don't even know words. why we have to keep talking about it. I just would want well, to... I don't need it. Do you want me to walk away and you want to drive off? Who else could I talk to that would, could help me with Well, it's a franchise, but I do own this establishment. Okay, well, then is there a regional manager or something? Yeah, you want to just come in and fill out a complaint? Yeah. All right, come on, let's go. All right. Where are we going? Back uh, over just here. Up here to the left there. Right. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to the office. Good work for you. This is the complaint form? Yeah. This is like four pages long. You know, my guy's got a lot of people coming through. Right. I mean, I'll take that remark. Do you expect them to know the ingredients of bourbon sauce? Yeah. It's I mean, well, sauce. honestly, that's it's the first secret, thing I would expect. It's a secret them to, sauce. Or at least at minimum to know that it tastes like mustard. So people aren't like, no mustard. And then they go, oh, you mean no mustard or not the other thing that tastes like mustard? Sorry, we didn't mention that we have mustard and also another mustard. No, it doesn't taste like mustard. It, it tastes, tastes like, like mustard, mustard plus other stuff. That's you know how Thousand like, Island tastes just like ketchup? Yeah. No. Because it, it has ketchup no, in it. It doesn't taste like Thousand ketchup. Thousand Island has ketchup in it. With mustard, mayonnaise, and relish. The, the sum of them is greater than what they are by themselves. You know, I don't have time for it, so sure? I'm not going to fill it out. You know what? That's good, because that saves me the time of having to put it in the shredder. Okay. All right, so I got back on the freeway now, and I it's getting kind of dark, so it's harder to spot a car that you're looking for on the freeway in the first place, but then... Oh, hold on a second. Hold on a second. I think I just saw him. I'm going to get off this... On, I'm going to get off the off-ramp. Keep on the non-ramp. Okay, I just followed him off the on-ramp somewhere in Van Nuys on this ground street. Okay, I've got him. I'm pulling up next to him right now. Hey, Tony! <laughs> hey! How'd you even find me? There's a giant sign on your Stop roof. Stop following me, man! Just pull over so we can talk. You're getting too close to my car. Oh! Sorry about that. You made me do that. Sorry, Tony. My bumper. Sorry, man. My whole front end is shot.
Oh man. Now you're getting me pulled over. I'll, I'll talk to him. I'm cool? sorry, man. Dude, you just got me pulled Wait, over. I'll pull around. I'm gonna turn around. I'll talk to him. All right, I gotta turn around here. He hit a garbage can. Tony, I'm so sorry, man. Dude, I can't believe this. Hey, he made me do that. I just wanted to tell you that's not his fault. That was me. This I did that. Sir, you're fine. But I just want you to know that was my fault. I know fault. what I saw. I don't need to explain. Okay, but I drove him into that garbage can. Put your hands on the hood. You're gonna arrest this him. This does not concern you. Okay. Do you want to get in the back of my car? Too? No, I don't. Tony, I'm sorry. Don't talk to him. Oh, well, hey, I know him. Put your foot on the gas and move. Tony. Put the car in gear right now. I want okay, to I'm putting it in gear. Okay. Bye, sir. Yeah, tell my parents I said hi. Okay, so in, he was arrested. He's still at the station, and obviously Gary and Val are furious. And I blame myself. I should not have been trying to talk to him while we were driving side by side. I should have motioned for him to pull over. And I think for me what happened was I was just excited that I actually found him and was able to track him down, and I just got a little crazy with the steering wheel. But also, I mean, you're going to arrest him for driving into a garbage can? I mean, if anyone should have been arrested, it was me. But Tony's still down there. He's been there for 24 hours, and they're going to release him on bail. Gary's mad. It was very expensive to bail him. It's not just reckless driving. It's uh, something like vehicular reckless endangerment, or it's a more serious charge. So obviously this is bringing up a lot for Tony. I mean, he was accused of being a drug dealer just a few weeks ago, and now he's in jail for some kind of crazy car thing. But, you know, in my defense, it's not like Tony's new to trouble. I mean, there's a reason that it follows you around like this. You know, the more I think about it, the more I feel like ever since he started working at used foosball tables, Tony started acting like old Tony again. You know, he was seemed like he came back from Boston and he really seemed like he was getting his act together ever since he was expelled. And then he got this job at used foosball tables, which seemed like a great thing at first. But not long after he started working at used foosball tables, he started doing crazy things again. Scalded himself, running naked through that car wash a few times. Last summer, he was arrested because he was selling dynamite on the 4th of July. I guess he got some dynamite somewhere. He said he didn't know it was dynamite. He said he thought they were M80s. But if you saw these things, they're just large sticks of dynamite. I mean, if you remember when the big B on Burbank Mountain was gone for about three months, that's because they went up there, they blew the B up. Tony and a few of his friends hiked up there on the 4th of July last year, and they said they were just going to set off some fireworks. But the next day, there was no bee on the mountain, and there's just a big hole there. And that was like a forty dollars or $50,000 problem for Gary because he had to pay for the city to put a new bee up on the mountain. And I guess the point is that Tony really seemed like he was getting his life together after he came back. But then he got that job, and things started going downhill again. So I decided to call Nick, the owner of used foosball tables, which it's always risky to call that place because they take themselves so seriously over there. I mean, it's so dramatic. These The most dramatic people I know are foosball players, and Nick is the most dramatic one of all. But I feel like it's not a coincidence that John McDonald is the one who accused Tony, and they must have met over at used foosball tables before the tournament. So anyway, I gave Nick a call, and here's what happened. Hello? Uh, sorry, is this used foosball tables? Yeah. Um, okay, who's this? My name is Doug Duguay. Do you I, know where you're calling? Okay. Can I can I talk to Nick? Is he Hold there? On a second. I mean, why? Okay. Yeah. Hello. Hey, Nick. It's Doug Duguay, and I'm calling. I'm just a little worried about Tony, Anthony. Listen, Doug. Yeah. You're in over your head. I'm sorry. I'm what? I'm in over my head. You're in over your head. Did you just hang up on me? 
Nick. I can still hear him. Nick. Hello? Are you still on the phone? Yeah. Did you just hang up on me dramatically? Listen to me. Yeah? You don't know what you're up against. I mean, I can still hear you. Nick. Doug, I need you to hang up the phone. It's not working on I'm not going to... You want me to hang up on myself for you? I'm not going to do that. I'll come to your house and hang up the phone for you. Okay. But how would that work for you? Then you'd be at my house, and then we could talk. Dad, please hang up Nick, the phone. can you just talk to me about Tony, please? This thing's bigger than you. I mean, how many times? You're going to hang up on me with flourish. Hello? Yes. Hi. Yes, Nick. We have an issue with the phone. Okay, I apologize. But I need you to please hang up the phone. Nick, can you just stop trying to do movie-style hang-ups on me and just talk to me about Tony? I, hello? Okay. So, you heard that. And, and this is what I'm talking about. I mean, we're going to do dramatic hang-ups on each other? Who in real life says something real smart and then just slams the phone down? And who even has a phone to slam down? I wouldn't be surprised if Nick's got that old phone in there just so he can do fancy hang-ups on people. You're in over your head. What am I, on the phone with MI6? You're in too deep. What did he say? You have no idea what you're up against. No one's ever said that in real life. That's not even, that's from bad movies. That's from when, whenever someone in a movie says, you have no idea what you're up against, you go, oh, I, the writer doesn't actually know what's going on here either. You know, we paid 18 bucks to see this. Can we know what he's up against or should we just leave? That's another thing I hate in movies where for the first 15 minutes, the main character acts like they're not going to do the movie. Someone goes, you got to go save all these people. And the main character goes, no, I'm not going to do it. I just, I'm sorry, I'm not going to do it. And we're just sitting there going, I mean, you're going to do it. We didn't pay to see you not do it. And you know, when I was a kid, my dad, whenever that would happen in the movies, in this was in the 70s, he would stand up. And he would go, well, you all heard him. He's not going to do it. We're not going to have a movie. And he would just walk out and he wouldn't come back. And it made my mom so angry. And it bummed me out a couple times too, because I remember he walked out of Star Wars the first time I went to see it because Luke Skywalker told Ben Kenobi, he goes, no, I, I can't go fight the Empire. I got to be a farmer. And my dad goes, I knew it. I knew he was going to say that. And he just walked out. And I was, we were at that movie together. It was just him and me. And so he left. So I had to watch the whole movie alone. I walked out and he goes, how'd it go? Did he do it? I didn't talk to him for a week after that because I loved Star Wars. I still do. But it really was not a great memory. But it's not, he was right. We came to see you steal the diamonds. Just will you steal them, please? And I know that there is a thing called refusal of the call, which is some part of the way stories are supposed to be built. But we, let's just stop doing it. We don't need it. We don't need you to say you're not going to do it anymore. I just watched that detective show with Kate Winslet. In the third episode, the chief of police go, just takes her badge and her gun. She's like, and he says, you can't, you can't work on this case anymore. What? What are we doing here? What, what, why am I watching this show? She can't work on the case. I mean, she's going to work on the case. No one's going to watch a show about a detective who isn't allowed to be a detective. So what is it? Why do they do it? Are they buying time or something? You know, it's like a bridge, bridges and songs. Does anyone want the bridge? Show me one good bridge. Every bridge I hear, I'm like, can we just get through this? I mean, it's just the not good part of the song. It's almost like a different song. You'll be listening to a song. It's a great song. And then the bridge comes and it's like someone's making you review their homework for them. I mean, every bridge in existence sounds like someone forced them to write the bridge. I got to find something here. I'm going to, I need an example. Okay, so let's start with this one. So, what's this? Aha, Take On Me, right? Great song. Here, skip ahead here. So, everyone loves this part, right? 
I mean, you're excited. The song is starting. You're driving. Whatever you're doing, you love it. Skip ahead. Okay, so here's the chorus. Everyone loves the chorus. And this was a really fun song. Everyone loves the video. But this is... You ready for the bridge? Here it comes. And bridge. What happened? It's like half the guys stopped playing the song. You know what we want? We want this. Yeah, that's what we want. That's what we came for. We just want to hear that. No one wants this. What is that? It sounds like someone's just warming up on the keyboard. It's like they were like, what do you want me to play? I don't know. You just warm up on the keyboard? Okay, here. I got to play that again. I mean, what is this? It sounds like uh, it sounds like Jerry running across the piano in Tom and Jerry. It's not. He didn't want to play that. No one wanted to play that, but they had to have a bridge, and he was like, I'll, okay, I'll just do this, I guess. If you're on the Patreon, you can write and tell me what you think the worst bridge is of all time. Paul Simon actually writes really good bridges. He has some songs. The bridge is better than the song, but that's one genius, and that's pretty much it. Or maybe Elton John or someone who's just an incredible songwriter can pull it off. Look, it's 50-50 is what I'm saying, and the half that's bad is bad enough that we, we can just get rid of them, but we're not going to. They're going to be around forever just like bad movie quotes. Anyway, it's obviously not important, and the main thing I was talking about is Nick and how dramatic he is. Anyway, I decided to go down to use foosball tables to find out what goes on down there on Mondays and anytime after three on Wednesdays. Nick wasn't giving me any information. I'm worried about Tony. So I decided to go down there and find out what's going on. And I recorded it and I'll play it for you right after this. You all remember Viva Fresh. It was a great restaurant on the corner of Riverside Drive and Equestrian Boulevard over by the Equestrian Center. It was just a great place that we all loved, but it closed down because the owner, Tom Chunin, was arrested for breeding ferrets. But the point is, when Tom went to jail, Viva Fresh had to be sold off, and Paul and Jan Robinson purchased it, and they turned it into this amazing place. It's called Champagne Cowboy. Listen to what it is. If there's one thing people in the Rancho Equestrian District love, it's horses and being a cowboy, cowgirl, cowperson. They love it. You put those two things together, you have Champagne Cowboy. It's an open-roof, champagne-only bar. And you can't even drive there. You have to ride a horse, so you park about two and a half miles away, they give you a cowboy hat, a pair of boots, and a horse, and you ride that to the bar. You tie the horse up. You go inside. Listen to this. There's no stools. They have these beds, individual beds made of real grass. You lay in them, and you just stare up at the stars. Who doesn't want to drink champagne, lay in a bed of grass, and stare at the stars with a cowboy hat sitting on your chest? There's a crackling campfire going in the bar all night long. And if you get a little hungry, they only got one other thing, beans. You get a can of beans, you can roast them right over the fire. Beans, champagne, a campfire in the open grass, and a sky full of stars. Champagne Cowboy. Check it out. Well, boys, I'd like to propose a toast to these stars. Yeah. 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 
So I said I wanted to go over and check out used foosball tables and just find out what's going on over there after 3 p.m. on Wednesdays. And I went down there, and the DEA guy is down there. I'm walking across the parking lot, and I look over, and I see his mom in the passenger seat. And I knocked on the window. He says he's over there on DEA business. He says he's been training for foosball for over a year, so he can look into what kind of business dealings are going on over there. What kind of guy is going to go undercover and tell me that they're going undercover? I guess it'd be the same kind of guy that would bring his mom along for the ride during an investigation. I mean, she says they share a car and she needs a ride. She delivers packages. She's got some kind of Etsy business. Anyway, I recorded the whole thing, so here's what happened. Gotta be kidding. Are you kidding me? You have got to get out well, of here. Well, I just want to know, what, what are you guys doing here? What are you doing here? Well, I came down here to find out what they do after three, because I'm worried about Tony. Who's Tony? Tony Janthony. Um, he was accused of doing the drug drop thing, and I just... Oh. Wait, wait, wait. You wait, don't even wait, know who wait, that is? Who accused him? Well, no, the point is it's not him. What are you writing I'm down? I'm just taking down a note. Tony Janthony. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to write it down. My point was that it's not him. How would you even know yeah, that? Yeah, how would you even know well, that? Well, I'm not saying I know 100%. I'm just... Who names their child Janthony? Janthony is the last name. Actually, that's his last name. Okay, I just want you to know it's not Tony. Did you not hear what he just said? You're about to blow our cover. It's my cover. No, it's our cover because I'm also here. Well, if I had anything to do with it, you wouldn't be here. So I can just do my I job. I have to get my packages And I out. help you yes. with that all and the time. Because that's our what deal. Do you, what are in the packages? I'm knitting different things for dollhouses like Afghans, sweaters. So Jan Robinson actually does, you know, she does... Um, no, I know, I know it's different. different. It's different product. not the same. Different products. Yeah, it's not the same thing. Well, I'm different. not saying it's the same, but it's kind of the same because well, she does style, She does sweaters. You, you don't make all the sweaters. Well, no, I'm the one making the sweaters. Well, you make the sweaters Jan too? Oh well, yeah, I make like 60% of the sweaters. Thank you for all your help, but you do live in my apartment. You won't help me co-sign your, an apartment. You know what they call this? They call this extended adolescence. I'm about to I saw go in here. I played seven hours of foosball every day for a year. Seven hours of foosball every day for Non-stop. a year? And at this point, he should be touring internationally. It was a lot. What What are you guys doing there after three? I, I can't tell you that. I took an oath. You took, an, you took a foosball oath? Okay. If you blow this for me, you're going to have more than me to deal with. Wait, whose mug is that? Is that a This Is You mug? What mug? the mug right there. I don't know floor. what mug you're talking about. I don't know why her weird mug is your business, but... I don't, I've never seen it. one of those other than in Pete's hands. I don't know whose mug this is. What? It's your mug. That's like your favorite mug. Do I need to call a lawyer about this you mug? You don't know whose mug that is that's in the car? I've never seen in? it before in my I life. I don't know what her mug has to do with you, and I don't care, but you gotta get out of here. Okay, I was just trying to say, I don't want you to think it was Tony. Bye. Okay. Okay, so you heard that, and I mean, I guess I put Tony on his radar, which wasn't my intention. Not really well played on my part, but the main thing I came away with, the mug. Why is she acting like she doesn't know what that mug is? I mean, it's a, this is you mug, just like Pete's. It's the one with the grave on it. The mug, it's sitting right between her feet on the floor. You don't know the mug I'm talking about. It's got a fresh grave painted on it. I mean, it was like one of those things where someone just has to stick to a lie that they started with. And, I mean, I understand that. I mean, I think everyone's done that. You know, you start out with a little lie, and then you just got to stick with it forever, sometimes for the rest of your life. 
like in high school, there was this girl, Julie, who I had a crush on my entire high school life. And I bought her this necklace at the mall once. And I went to give it to her on Monday. But just before I did, I kind of chickened out. And I said, hey, I found this on the ground. You want it? And she said, no, I don't want it. And she took it and she threw it in a garbage can. Like, And it was an incredible shot. She took it. We were standing in the common area. So there was about 50 kids in the area. And she threw it about 15 feet across the room and everyone watched it and it just landed perfectly in this garbage can and everyone cheered. I mean, it was pretty much an impossible shot. She wasn't even trying to hit the garbage can. She was just throwing it through the air for effect to just make an example out of how much she didn't care about me or this necklace. But then it became this famous throw at school that everyone called the five pointer. And I remember people asking me, where'd you get that necklace? I was like, oh, I just found it on the ground which I didn't. I paid like $35 for it. I saved up a long time to buy that necklace. It was a Holly Hobby necklace. I don't know if you know Holly Hobby was this thing in the 80s. And they were just these cute little necklaces. And I bought it and I took all weekend to work up the courage to give it to her. And then I chickened out last second. And I kind of always felt like I was getting punished because I didn't you know, really tell her where it came from. But I also know why I didn't tell her because sometimes you imagine something happening in a certain way. Like I imagined, oh, I'm going to buy her this necklace and it's going to be a sweet thing and she's really going to appreciate it. But then just before I gave it to her, I realized this is one of the worst ideas I've ever had. In high school, I always had a lot of courage at around 9 to 11 p.m. I was thinking, oh, tomorrow I'm going to do something amazing. And then I'd wake up and think, what? What? You're going to give her a necklace? She, You barely know her. But the point is, every time someone asked me about the necklace, I said, it was. I just found it on the ground and thought maybe she wanted it. I even, as an adult, told someone that because they said, hey, remember the five-pointer? And I said, oh, yeah, that necklace I found on the ground. Sometimes you just stick to your lie because it's easier. It's also, it's a painful memory because she, you know, she made that five-pointer shot. I'm not sure why, but in the height of my emotion, I was pretending to laugh with everyone. And I kind of walked over to the garbage can and grabbed it back out and said, hey, you sure you don't want it? And she goes, yeah, I'm positive. And she grabbed it out of my hand again. And this time she threw it out the door and it landed on the roof of the PE equipment shed. And it just hung there off the eve of the shed for my entire high school career. And everyone called it the five-pointer necklace. In fact, the cross-country team, whenever they had a big race, they would all run by and they'd jump up and tap the five-pointer necklace for good luck. So it became this really funny thing. I mean, funny to everyone but me. At one point, this, the cross-country team won the state championship, and the cross-country coach bought them all Holly Hobby necklaces, just like the one that I had bought for Julie. And now that's a tradition. Every time the school wins a state championship, they all get Holly Hobby necklaces. So every time anyone's ever asked me about it, I go, oh yeah, I found that on the ground. So I never really wanted to admit to anyone where I really got the necklace or how that all happened, except for one time I remember... I ran into Julie. Coincidentally, I ran into her at a college party in Boston, and she was laughing, and she said, remember that necklace that you found? And I just decided in that moment to tell her, and I said, you know, I actually bought that necklace for you, and just the spit take. I mean, it was like a, I thought she threw up on me for a second. She was laughing so hard. But it's just a good example of I probably shouldn't even have told her. Sometimes you just got to hold on to that. But I mean, maybe what was happening for the DEA guy's mom is she was embarrassed because she didn't remember her favorite mug for a second. But is it just weird that her favorite mug is one of these weird mugs like Pete's? In my entire life, I've never seen one of these mugs. And now there's a giant collection of them in my house that came with the pool guy who's living here. And 
now the DEA guy's mom's got one of these things. I'm not sure what it means. It feels like it means something. I do know that I felt like the faster I could get Pete off the hook, the faster I could get him out of my house and his wife and their baby. Because I feel like the faster I can get that to happen, the faster my wife will come back and Phil will come back and we can get back to normal. But now Tony's kind of wrapped up in this too. I'm sure Gary and Val are going to have something to say about that. The faster I can get both Pete and Tony off the hook, the faster I I could get my wife to move back and get back to normal. I mean, not that they've really moved out, but they're technically, they're really not living here. Which actually reminds me, I want to give my son Phil a call because I want to ask him a question. There's just some stuff that's still on my mind from that talk I had with Gary. So I'm just going to call him here. Hey, Dad. Hey, how's it up there at Chuck's? Sort of been the same. Is the pool guy still there? Yeah, he's, yeah, they're still here. Okay. Just making sure. Just a real quick question. Do you remember those Star Trek walkie-talkies that uh, Tony broke? Star Trek? I bought them for you for Christmas when you were like five or six. No, no, I never got those. What do you mean you never got those? I I remember a um, Battlestar Galactica thing you got from it. But they didn't have walkie-talkies in Battlestar Galactica. No, yeah, no, they they did. It was called a colonial communicator. They use that all the time. It goes on your wrist. I don't remember anything about the communicators on Battlestar Galactica, but I know that the thing I got you was a Captain Kirk. Go back and watch okay. any of the original Battlestar Galacticas. They're I don't know how w- this is getting even mixed up. Do you remember that Tony broke them? Actually, I I can't remember if he broke it. No, he, um, he definitely broke they, it. He stole a bottle of Bacardi. Bacardi? I don't... What's the Bacardi? I remember he was mad because uh, I was pressing that button. That's what I'm saying. It's a Star Trek walkie-talkie because it has that squelch button on it. Why are you yelling? I'm not... I'm sorry. I didn't mean to yell. I just... Did you know Tony at all growing I up? just remember he kept climbing trees in that shirt. Yep. Yeah, that's definitely him. What's that sound? What is that sound that I... That's Grandpa's muffler thing. His muffler thing is playing a song? He's really just going out there with all these. I think that's his business model. Where are you guys? We're on our way to go micro-golfing. You guys are going micro-golfing? We're, um, we're probably going to stop by since uh, Mom has to grab her clubs. You? I mean, am I coming with you? Uh, I think that's up to Grandpa. Okay, so who's all going? We're going to go with Donovan and Kelly. Wait, you're, go- you're going micro-golfing with Donovan? Yeah. That was a thing that I always took us all to do. That was kind of like our thing. No, I've said what you're saying, the micro golf was always Chuck's thing? Yeah, I don't remember you proposing that ever. Okay, I mean, I guess I don't even know what to say about that. All so. right, um, I guess I'll just see you in a minute. We're almost there. Oh, you guys are almost You guys are almost here? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I love you. I'll see you in a second. I'll see you in a second. Okay, so this is like the worst timing. Pete and Candace are in the pool. I mean, they're in the pool right now. I mean... Of course they're in the pool. I'd, I'd go out there. I want to go out there, but what am I going to do? Tell them to get out of the pool? I mean, she's, Faye's going to come, and they're going to be in the pool as she's going to get her clubs. And I just want to say, here's the thing about micro golf, is that was a thing that we always did as a family. It was something that I organized. I don't know if you're familiar with micro golf. It's like mini golf, only it's slightly smaller. The clubs are slightly smaller, and the ball's slightly smaller. It's a little bit more like pinball uh, than it is golf. You are like The course is like a giant pinball machine. And you get the little clubs you hit the ball with, and then you have bumper gloves and bumper shoes, which are like the bumpers on a pinball machine, and you bat the ball around, and it's really active, and it's fun. And apparently, I'm not invited, but Donovan is. I mean, what, is he part of the family now? And then Pete and Candace are in the pool, so I just, I'm just going to go talk to these guys real quick. I mean... 
Hey, can I ask you guys a favor, actually? I don't know how much you pay for this place, but the air traffic's terrible. Hey, do you guys actually need to be in the pool right now? My brother's in the hospital. The dude's in the hospital. I gotta relax. Okay, I... Do you know where the pool noodle is? The what? The pool noodle that was in here before that we actually bought for the pool. Where is the name? I don't know. I don't I don't even know what you're talking Doug, about. The pool noodle. The pool noodle. It's a large it's a yellow yeah, noodle. I know what a pool noodle is. They're like a dollar. Three dollars. I actually was contributing to the pool. I don't I, I have no idea about the noodle. Doug, do you live near a helipad? Yeah. Something? We're like six blocks away from a hospital. To talk to me about air traffic. You you're staying here because we're near a hospital. Okay, I and that that's them. They're here. Okay. He's got that. What is that? What is that? It's nothing. I'll take care Look, of it. That is too much, man. Okay, I'm doing my best. There's baby here, man. Yep. Okay. I trying to fix it. Chuck, uh, can you turn that off? It's got a cycle, and you got to let it run its cycle, so it'll be over in a minute. It's very loud. Can you just, I mean, you're you can't, me turn, you can't it turn it off. Once it starts, it does not. There's a, you know, there's no kill switch. Chuck, your thing is broken. Like, your emulator thing is broken. I'm sorry. Did I ask you for feedback on my horn? It'll turn off. Hey, hon, what's going on? grabbing my micro clubs. Donovan is with you guys? Yeah, Donovan's here. Hi, Doc. And Kelly? Hi, Doc. Hey. Hey, kiddo. Good to see you. Sorry. I mean, I haven't seen you in like six weeks. You guys are going without me? Without you? Do you feel excluded by all the things you have nothing to do with? Okay. I mean, they're, you know, Fog Hat, I think, even toured without you for a while, from Fog what Hat. I understand. Okay. I read the, Dad, I read a biography. Easy, it was very boring. Is that people in the pool, I hear? Yeah, it's Candace and Pete. Oh, I see. These guys are so good. Hi. Cross the water. You know, I'd really just like to know where the needle is. Do you see the pool noodle in here? Sorry, and they're looking for a pool toy. It's okay, never mind. I'm sorry. Go in, get my clubs, and leave. Good to see you're keeping busy. What is that bird? It's a peacock. It's a, a peacock. Chuck, it's not my peacock. Why Someone's peacock is wandering around. Can't it ever be normal with you? I swear to God, it's like falling out Chuck, a rabbit hole. Whenever I see you, it's like. Where's the Mad Hatter? Somebody gonna come and cut my head off? I mean, what is actually happening? Chuck, you're the one who pulled in here with a car playing saxophone stuff. One more word about the horn, and things are gonna get off. Okay, I mean, let's just drop it. I'm gonna talk to these guys. Can you roll down the window, Donovan? Hi, Doug. Hi, Doug. What are you doing here? I'm having fun with friends. What are you doing? Well, honestly, I'm having a problem with this whole thing. Maybe that's why you aren't invited, Ted. This is a problem-free trip that we're having. Okay, you're giving me the window? Okay. Phil, can you roll down your window? I, I really would rather not be involved. Okay, I mean, I understand. You should uh, step away from the car because it's, it's going to trigger that horn again. It's going to what? Chuck, what is this? Sound like a hair trigger? It should have activated, so there might be some... Chuck, you gotta fix this. I got my guy on it. I mean, I'm just, right now, it's not a priority. Is that, wait, how long is this? Chuck, this is a full song. It is a full song, and that is why it's awesome. Okay, so I think we're going to end the episode there. For the record, I am the person who organized all the micro golf stuff traditionally with the family. It wasn't Chuck's idea. And also, for the record, you know, seven or eight months ago, I was talking about Donovan sending Faye mermaid emojis. 
And everyone said, what's a mermaid emoji? That doesn't mean anything. And I said, well, you know, it's a half-naked emoji. It's the only one that has a little bit of half-nakedness. And people still said, no, I don't. that doesn't mean anything. Okay, well, now they're out doing family recreational activities together. And he's best friends with my father-in-law, and they're all living together. So my next step is to find out about that mug. I'm going to ask Pete about it when he gets out of the pool. And hopefully I can make some headway in getting Tony off the hook as well, because he's still down at the station. This episode was brought to you by Champagne Cowboy. Champagne Cowboy, saddle up to the bar, and Chuck Baker Empire Auto. If you're into muffler emulation and Tibetan singing bowls, you should probably check it out. All right, that's it for this episode of Valley Heat. I'm Doug Duguay. Take it easy. Yeah.